If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hi everyone, it's Erin, and I just wanted to give you a little context for the audio that you're going to hear today for this week's podcast. This is from a Facebook Live that Nicole and I recorded together back in August on her NGSS for Middle and High School Teachers Facebook group. So this topic tends to be a bit controversial because we really are asking teachers to let go of some of their past practices, and that's always difficult when we ask teachers to do that. So today we're asking, is it time to let go of the scientific method? And if you've been listening, you probably know the answer, but you might not know why. So this is a slightly longer episode since it was a Facebook Live, but I hope that you enjoy it. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel. I never fully know when it's actually going live. So welcome to our is it time to let go of the scientific method chat? So I'm here with Erin Sadler from Sadler Science, and we are going to be talking all about the scientific method and whether you should or shouldn't be teaching it. And I'm going to say no, um, but we are going to dive into maybe more of the why we're not teaching it. And as always, if you have questions, post them in the chat. I'm going to have my other computer right here, so I will be able to keep track of your questions, and, and we'll answer them today in, in our little chat here. Awesome. Okay, so the big question that we are talking about today is, is it time to let go of the scientific method? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like everybody's like, not everybody, but there's a lot of teachers out there that this is, this is one of those topics that I see in base, like teaching Facebook groups. And honestly, right, like most of the time now when I see it, I just don't even comment because yeah. It turns into, it's like a political argument, it feels right. like. And I'm like, I don't have the energy to do this. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to address it because this is the time of year that all of these things, like everybody starts talking about my scientific method unit, right? I teach it at the beginning of the year. And I always did that too. So no judgment there. Like, that's what right. I did. Um, but anyway, why are we letting go of the scientific method? <laughs> oh, there's so many reasons. Like, so um, the first reason, 
reason that I like to point out is that it emphasizes knowledge over like inquiry. It emphasizes like the right answer that you should be getting at the end of your experiment or whatever, and not like the process that's involved. And I think that a lot of what we're seeing right now, you know, in Facebook groups and all that argument about what's happening around the world is like, well, why don't we have an answer? And why is this always changing? And I think that that comes from this idea that there's like a linear scientific method that leads to one answer and then we're done. Yes, exactly. Everybody's talking about like, we're not scientific, like in general, our population is struggling with the scientific literacy and they're not understanding why, or at least science teachers are talking about this. They're not understanding why one day we're saying one thing about COVID and the next thing we're saying another thing about COVID and why is it everybody changing their mind? Don't they know anything? And it's part of that is exactly that because we learned this, this idea through all of our years of K through 12 education that you go through the process one time and you come out with your answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think that, that like people are so uncomfortable with that changing answer, but really that's exactly what we want as our technology improves. And as our understanding improves, it's kind of like, um, hitting a target and we're getting closer and closer to that target. It's not, everything isn't changing for the most part, you know, sometimes it does a little bit, but you know, we're moving closer and closer to an understanding of what's actually happening as we're getting more information. And that's part of the process. Yeah. Well, and even along those lines though, too, like when you get the wrong answer or you do like, it's okay to change your mind just because you do a study one time and you think this one thing, but then new information comes to light. We need to also normalize that process and that idea that it's not wrong to change your mind. It's not, and this is not just in science, like in a lot of aspects of, I don't know, being human, um, mm -hmm. you can believe one thing one day and then learn something and, and change your mind. And it's, it's normal and it's, it's okay. And it's what you should do in light of new information. Like you're not glued to an idea just because that was the first idea. Right. And also like getting the wrong answer pushes you closer to the, to the right answer. Cause you're like eliminating things, you know, yes. you're eliminating what, you know, potential reasons. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one, I don't know, one of the books I read this summer, they mentioned something like reframing mistakes, not even as like a good thing, like but just reframing mistakes as information. Like it's not a, it's not even a mistake. It's just information. Now, you know, something more. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so what were some of your other reasons that we should be moving away from the scientific method? And so my other big reason is that it um, leaves out so many of the practices that are essential to science. So um, for example, argumentation, like argumentation is such a huge piece of science and the scientific community. Um, it also leaves out modeling, which we know is a really good um, tool that students can use for meeting making and scientists use for meeting making. And those are just completely absent from the scientific method. That's true. I, yeah. I think like along those lines and the problem too is, and I know, so I know some teachers are like, yes, but it's still the scientific method or this investigations and experiments are still part of science. And I don't think we're, we're obviously not arguing. And I would say you're probably agreeing with me on this point. We're not saying it's not part of science. Right. But when you teach like the scientific method, you're perpetuating this idea that it's still the only way to do science. It's the one way right. to do science. When in reality, scientists do science they discover things in so many different ways like maybe like modeling or doing you know math computations or um natural type of experiments where they're just collecting information from the environment and not carrying out like a controlled experiment and so while yes you're still engaging your students in experimentation 
um, and, and those types of investigations, when you call it the scientific method, it's like you're just reinforcing that misconception that our kids come to us in sixth grade with because they learned it all through the very little bit of science they got in elementary school. Right. That's pretty much what they learned. Yeah. So like reinforcing that like misunderstanding about it. Yeah. And that, I, it, you know, one of the things that you just talked about was like the fact that it's like this linear thing and it's like, you know, an algorithm, you just do this and this and this and this and you get the right answer. And like, that's not how science happens at all. Like, you know, we, you pull from different tools and that's why, you know, like when people publish a paper, they have to include a methodology section. So they explain how they got that because it's not like everybody does exactly the same thing every time. You don't just list your procedures. You have to like explain all of the many different steps that you went through. Yeah. And even it's not even cut and dry within like creating an experiment. Like it's not like this is the one way that you could have run that test. Right. And part of, part of our, what our students need to learn is like there's different ways and some are going to be better than others in carrying out that investigation. And like you mentioned, argumentation is part of that process. Like that stuff happens after the experiment is carried out. Like are these results like valid? Are there errors in the methodology? Are there errors in the analysis or all of that, you know? So yeah, like that part is typically not addressed with the scientific method. Yeah, not at all. There's, it just, it just is an imperfect model. And when the creators of the framework were looking at, you know, readdressing science curriculum as a whole, they really looked at like what, um, like what we want students to be able to do. And we really want students to be using tools. And that's what the science and engineering practices are, is they're tools that students can use over and over again. And yeah, it just it's just a better model to use those tools. Yeah. And, um, and like along those lines too, when we think about the method, we think about it like all in, like you do the whole thing, right? Like mm-hmm. every time I ever talked to my students about it prior to NGSS and, and, and learning all these things, it was like, you go through the whole process. And again, it's linear process, which is not, but you go through the whole process. When in reality, you don't always need to do the whole process mm-hmm. in, in a science class. And so when you're thinking about it, like I need to do the whole thing, then it gets relegated to like a lab day or it gets relegated to the science fair project you do once a year. When you think about it as practices, it can be, we have five minutes, let's generate some questions about this phenomena and and, and integrate that asking questions um, practice. Or, you know, we need to um, discover this concept. So let's just analyze some data. We don't have to carry out the whole investigation. We can just look at the data. You know, where so when it's broken up into those practices and not necessarily meant to always be together, it gives you way more freedom to actually teach in that three-dimensional way where you're actually integrating those practices every single day. Right. And not only that, but it like when you do the scientific method, I don't know, when I did it in my classroom, like the kids never really got those pieces that well. Whereas when you're, you're concentrating on those individual pieces, they do a really great job of developing fantastic questions and really like planning and carrying out investigations and like those individual pieces you can emphasize and really teach students how to do that well. And it just works so much better in your classroom and they really are understanding that process so much better. Yeah. Well, because each skill is really, I mean, if you look at even just the method, like each skill is very complex, like designing the methodology is a complex, analyzing the data is complex, drawing Mm -hmm. conclusions from it is a complex, you know, and when we try to do it all at once in one lab day, you're, you're missing a lot of the nuances where when like, you know, you're, 
you're separating those pieces out. And not to say that you're always separating them out, but when you can right. focus on one in one activity, you can kind of dive deeper in like refining that skill in your students. Yeah, I think a lot of teachers too, when they're thinking about the practices, they're just like looking at the title of the practices, like, oh, asking a question or, yeah. oh, planning an investigation. And they're not looking at the subcomponents that we see listed in the NSTA matrix or like, I think it's appendix. I don't remember which one the science and engineering right. practices are. But I was just yeah. using NSTA matrix anyway. Yeah. It's so yeah, fun to just, like uh, drop, drop down. <laughs> It's prettier, um, but there's so many subcomponents, so many pieces in there that we need to address so that students fully understand what those practices are. Yeah, and those are the ones that you can pull out into a quick activity or not so quick, activity, but it's not, oh, my entire class is going to be this investigation day or whatever. Yeah, well, a lot of what I see are um, like middle and high school teachers using the practices that are really aligned with the third through fifth grade standards because they're just concentrating on what they think it is and not really concentrating on those subcomponents. So they're really missing the mark on what grade level appropriate practices look like. That That's a really good point because yeah, if you, I know I'm constantly going and I mean, I'm pretty familiar with the practices, but I'm constantly going back in and just like refining like what, I'm, I want them to ask questions in this part, you know, this activity I have, I know this is a good activity for asking questions, but like what types of questions should they be asking or what should we be talking about in relation to their questions? And it looks different at like a middle school level and a high school level. So going into that, like um, the matrix or where, if you're going into the actual um, standards, document, appendixes, whatever appendices, um, you can actually see, and it can give you some prompts for your own guiding questions for your students or tasks for your students, you know, create a question that can be, or it, yeah, create a question that you can investigate in the classroom with our supplies, create a question that, I don't know, you can't investigate yeah. in the classroom, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, and I mean, there's nothing like inherently wrong with going back and starting with those third through fifth grade, um, that you know, that piece, because our students generally don't know it coming into us, yeah. but we really want to push them into that grade level appropriate, you know, those subcomponents. Yes, so true, yeah. Yeah, um, for pretty much all of the cross-cutting concepts and all that, a lot of times we have to go back into kind of the lower levels and then build them, them up, because they, most of our students have had very little science experience in K through five and Hopefully that changes. We'll see. I know. I know. <laughs> not this year. I don't know. Um, remember, guys, you guys can ask questions at any any point. Um, now, did you have any other reasons why we're moving away from the scientific method, or do we cover? Um, I think that that's like a, the big overarching, like, like you know, like one. I don't want to get too far into the weeds. I'm trying to like, um, but those are like the main reasons is that you really want to emphasize those science and engineering practices so that students understand what science really is and like yes. all of those pieces in detail yeah all the different ways of doing science and be integrating them not just on a lab day when you do the whole process or whatever but into your daily instruction um yeah. so what are some of the questions i know you have been so again those of you who are watching post your questions um but you've been collecting some questions on this topic so what are some of the questions that you have heard um, so one of the big ones that I'm getting is that some of the states are still um, testing on the scientific method in their state tests. So teachers feel obligated to um, to address it. 
Um, so what I've been telling those teachers is to just go ahead and do the practices and maybe right before the test say, hey, look, sometimes we put this together as a scientific method or don't even do that. Um, when my state switched their test, I just started using the practices and my kids actually did better on the scientific method part than, um, than they had done in the past. They did really well. So, and um, I had that conversation with my administrator and kind of explained what I was doing. And, you know, luckily I had a lot of buy-in and support and it just, you know, I told her, I think we're going to take a hit on this part. And she was like, oh yeah, no problem. And then we didn't. And it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, if they understand planning and carrying out investigations, if they understand how to ask questions, if they understand um, analyzing data, like those are all parts of what is traditionally called the scientific method. So if you understand all the components, they they can address most of probably the questions that they're, that they're really being asked in, in relation to like the scientific method questions. Well, and also I find that those questions tend to be kind of easy because they're usually like multiple choice questions. There's not a lot of like, you know, they really aren't those three-dimensional questions. So yeah. kids are like, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like that is super easy compared to everything else I've been doing. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's awesome. And I mean, anytime I get asked any kind of question related to states or districts, I mean, I, my, my, uh, my first go-to line is, well, you still have to do whatever your, your administrator or your principal or whatever tells you to do because right, right. don't lose your yeah. job. But, um, but yeah, I think that's totally, I think in general with testing, that's an important thing to remember. A lot of times I feel like we think I have to cover all of these things. So I'm just going to rush through everything because then at least they're going to be exposed to it before the test. Mm -hmm. When in reality, exposing them to it doesn't do anything. And you just wasted time not having them learn anything really well, mm -hmm. where when students learn some aspects really well, they can perform really well in those aspects. And a lot of time they've, a lot of times they've learned enough to, to figure out the other things, you know what I mean? Right. Like they yeah, they just, they've learned enough that they can either use their practices to figure out the answers that they're looking for, or they can make connections, or they can rule out stuff, or whatever it is, but I think just teaching what you can really well is just a better approach than trying to, like, cover everything on a surface level, and then they don't remember any of it, but that's just my right. chance on, on testing, and you have to, you have to, yeah. you're judged by your own test score, so you make your own decisions. <laughs> But if you are also, if you're in a position where you're ready to have that conversation with your team, like pull out the science framework. It says right there, we do not want you teaching the scientific method anymore. And I mean, I have, I have done that and I try to do it gently. And I, like, you know, um, I think that I've gotten like a little bit of a reputation as like the NGSS police, you know, and I don't want to be that, but also I want us to be like pushing that conversation. Like, no, we shouldn't, you know, there's a reason that we're not doing this anymore. Yes. Yeah, and that is true. Like, you don't even have to take our word for it. Just go read the framework. It says it. Right, um, right. So we do the scientific method big time in New York, but they're going to be learning it remotely this year. That'll be interesting. <laughs> um, so that's what Helen said. Hi, Helen. Uh, that's tough. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's like the Re Regents test or something. I've gotten that question a lot from New York. And like yeah. I said. It, but they, it, they're, a, they're like switching their standards to the NGSS. So I don't know. I don't know. Or like to a person of the end. It's, not, it's like the NYSLS or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that they'll probably like in the next couple of years look at that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would just be, I, you're not going to cover everything anyway. So yeah. 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 Pretty intense testing. 
Um, so what are some of the other questions that we have about the scientific method? Oh, I have a bunch. Um, so like, what about college? You know, I get, always get asked all the time, like, what about college? And I actually, um, right after my brother-in-law finished his PhD, I was like just getting into NGSS and I was explaining to him like how it's different. And, you know, I was telling him, you know, we don't do the scientific method anymore. And he was like, what? Well, you know, how are they going to do this in college? And, you know, he just, and then I pushed him on it and I was like, do you really use the scientific method? And he's like, well, we have to write a paper. And I'm like, okay, so you like put your paper into parts, but you don't like, are those parts always the same? And he's like, no. And, you know, when I pushed him on it, his like argument totally broke down. So it, um, I also think that, you know, going back to when you focus on those science and engineering practices, your students will understand that so much better and they'll be able to adapt to <laughs> like if their professor does want them to use the scientific method, they will understand why that scientific method exists so much better than you know, like if we just did the scientific method. Yeah. Oh no, I like totally agree. I think so much of like the argument for, well, they need this information for college. They need this for college. They need that for college. Like, okay, you do need to have a foundational understanding of like these big ideas and things like that. But really how much of the stuff you learned in high school biology did you remember in your like advanced level biology classes? Probably not as much. You probably took biology as an undergraduate and learned a bunch more. Right. Um, or like when you, even when you got to like your teaching, like you learn, you learn what you need to, as you go, we need to prepare our students to have the skills to, to, to learn and to integrate that new information. So teaching them this linear step-by-step -step scientific method that they may or may not use in college is one thing, or you can teach them those individual components of it and they can use it in any order they want and they can use it when they need it and they understand each of those foundational skills and components and can apply them like okay then if they're like you said if their professor says okay we're doing the scientific method then oh okay well i know how to analyze data i know how to design an investigation i know how to ask questions that can be investigated it just wasn't presented in this linear step by step it was presented in the way science is done by like, here's an issue, here's a phenomenon that I need to figure out. I'm going to use whatever tool in my toolbox is going to be most relevant. Right. And I know that that like was something I specifically struggled in in college was like making that shift to like being responsible for my own investigation. I was like, where's my, you know, step-by-step -step, you know guide to building this investigation. And it, it was one of the biggest challenges that I had in college was like trying to figure out how to do that when I'd never done that before. Uh, so then I get a, um, like the argument back from a lot of teachers is like, well, isn't this just, just planning and carrying out investigations? And it's not. <laughs> um, like when you look at those some subcomponents in the NSTA matrix of pl uh, planning and carrying out investigations, there's a lot more there, like critiquing each other's procedure, you know, and stuff like that, that um, is totally left out if you're just giving the students the scientific method. Yeah, that's true. So like part of it is in the, you know, designing and carrying out, like you're teaching during designing and carrying out investigations, you're teaching them the variables that you normally would have during the scientific method. And you're teaching them how to design experiments with controls and all of that. But yeah, there's so much more to it. And there's a lot of more ways to actually carry it out. Like it doesn't always, if you look at those practices, you don't always have to have students design a full investigation. They could be just identifying what tools would be best used or talking about 
why those tools were used, like by analyzing a different investigation that somebody else carried out. You know, so when we break it apart, like, like you said, like when you look at really what skills are part of each of those practices, you can, it opens your mind up to all of the different ways you can incorporate those skills. Or when you look at the scientific method, it's like you either carry out the experiment or maybe you read an experiment and answer questions about which part of the scientific method is this part or that part or whatever, you know, yeah. where yeah. there's like really so much more that you do with all of those practices. Yeah. Well, and uh, like I'm designing, you know, my first units back to school and um, like one of the things that we're, we're doing is like, I'm trying to figure out how to do a stream table with students remotely. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, it'll be great. Um, but like, um, I don't have time to teach them how to do, you know, like we're really focusing on argumentation in the first unit We're you know, focusing on asking questions. So I don't really have time in that first unit to teach them, you know, all of the, the stuff that's involved in planning and carrying out investigations. But I can say, okay, in this activity, we're going to adjust one variable. We're going to adjust the height. This is a variable and introduce what variables is and cover that little tiny piece. And then they'll see it once and we'll see it again later. So you can do it in bite sizes. Um, yeah. so two comments here. I want to do the second one first, actually. So Helen said that her adult children said that, that with, when they went to college, they really struggled with, they'd never really written a lab report, like really in high school. And I can actually totally relate to this because I mean, I had to do like answer the scientific method questions and stuff like that. But when it came down to like writing the, like, here's my abstract and here's my introduction, like background research, you know, like the full on mm -hmm. what scientists write, which is something that we could actually involve in, like, instead of having silly, not silly, but like those like lab reports that are like, here's my question, here's my step-by-step, -step, like, right. you know, procedure, but rather writing like a methodology section, like I did this and this is the reason I did it or whatever, you know, and then this is my analysis of my data. And then this is the conclusions I've drawn. And you don't have to do it all, all together again. Yeah, yeah. You can break it into pieces. But yeah, like when you do it just the scientific method and you're doing kind of those, I don't know, I don't want to again say silly, but like not <laughs> um, like lab reports, then that is a struggle when you get to college and they're like, no, you actually have to write. Like if you can't give me a step-by-step -step list, you need to. Right, right. And you can't tell me like, here's here's my graph. This is my data. No, you need to like, in, like analyze, like tell me the patterns that you see and tell, you know, mm -hmm. and when you just have your scientific method and you have them paste their data, their chart on there, you, they, they don't do any of that. Right. Well, and like one of the things I do in my class is that um, students have to like write out their procedure and what they're doing and create their data tables and all of that. And then they have to get, come over and have me approve it. And then I get that opportunity to say like, so why did you do this? Why did you you know, why did you choose to do this here? Why did you choose to use this size container? You know, whatever. And then they really have to like think about why they're doing all of those things. And it just really emphasizes that critical thinking piece that they just weren't getting before. Yes, because it was always, here's the procedure I'm giving you, those cookie cutter mm -hmm. labs versus like, I'm actually gonna design one. Um, and then the second question here is, um, so have you heard or read about scientific method being considered like racist? They said they've caught a few snippets here and there in their reading. Um, but they can only really find criticisms of science as being overly white male and exclusionary. So I haven't like read or heard scientific method being like racist. However, I was involved in a conversation in a different Facebook group a few weeks ago. And I thought it was, it was very enlightening to me because I had previously read about the scientific method as being like kind of pretty much developed um, during, 
like, was it Newton? Like the 17th century-ish or whatever? I think it was him. Um, when like science was becoming more formalized. Basically the progression that I had read about prior was early on, it was very much, let's talk about our ideas. And then experimentation came in the like 16, 17, 1800s or whatever. And it became more like formalized. And then, and then now we do science in all sorts of different ways. So there are just different ways of testing answers and understanding things. Um, but then this conversation that I was in, it really challenged that like understanding of my own, like whatever progression there. Uh, because they mentioned like, yes, a lot of times we think of the scientific method as being like developed or created, like experimentation was created in the 17th century by white males, basically, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, European white males. But in reality, if you look like way back in time, there were people all over the world that were doing like very formal experiments with controls right. and, you know, related to agriculture and figuring out how to grow stuff better and whatever other things they, I don't know, learn. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting and just challenging, like my own understanding of the scientific method as developed by white males in the 17, you know, 1700s as, I mean, it still might've been like dubbed the scientific method at that mm -hmm. point, but experimentation like way preceded that and preceded like it being done in Europe at all. Like it was done in right. ancient cultures and everywhere. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it's kind of you, like we kind of think about it as like they have the monopoly, you know, on science. <laughs> well, I like that, like pre-established credibility, I think is more like what we're seeing. But also I think that like when you're looking at like bias within like scientific studies, a lot of what's happening is who they're selecting to like look at during studies and stuff like that. Like I haven't heard so much specifically about the scientific method itself, you know, being racist, but um, like, for example, like I was having like some stomach issues. So we wanted to rule out, you know, other things like cardiac issues. Cause you know, it's all in the same place ish. Um, and my doctor told me that it wouldn't make sense for me to do a stress test because all of the stress tests have been done on men. So like all of the data that they had was basically useless on women. So they couldn't see if I was having cardiac issues based on like, they're really imperfect. You get a lot of false negatives and, um, stuff like that. So, um, yeah. And I, like, you see that kind of stuff all of the time, like, um, like, I don't know if you remember when the little, you know, things came out to like dry your hands, they'd, um, like, you know, the air dryers and the, yeah. <laughs> like in the bathroom. Yeah. And you know how they like, you know, see you under there? Um, oh. like, um, they'd only calibrated them for white people, like white skin. So like people with darker skin, it didn't work. And I, you know, like distinctly remember, like, you know, I was a swimmer at the time, like remembering like, Hey, it doesn't see me. And that's why. <laughs> so so weird yeah. it's like you see that all the time yeah yeah never ever ever thought about that yeah 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 so there's a lot of like selection like yeah. who they select to study and you, there's all yeah. kinds of you know issues with the studies like that yeah i I could see that there. I, yeah, I haven't heard anything like be really beyond um, kind of those ideas like that we had talked, talked about. But, um, yeah, so do we have any other questions? I don't think, I think those are the big ones that I've been getting. Like, yeah, I think also like people just feel 
like sad or like attacked when we say, you know, to not do um, the scientific method. So I think there's a lot of like, you know, but why not? And, you know, I think a lot of people just have like big feelings about it and it just like, you it's know, like there's nothing wrong. in a planet anymore and people take it really personally because you like grew up learning that and you're like, I don't want to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot of people have really cool activities that they do that don't fit in anywhere else that they don't want to give up. So they want to, you know, hang on to those. And I mean, you know, we've talked about over and over again on the podcast, like it's so important that you're teaching kids things in context so that they're meaningful and not just, you know, doing random stuff. Right. Especially like, you know, teachers are always saying that they don't have enough time. So creating this whole like scientific method unit at the beginning just doesn't make any sense. No, just use that time and embed all of those lessons. Okay. So then let's really quickly, because we're probably not going to go any um, much longer. So suggestions for a new middle school science teacher. Let's talk about what do you do instead? You're not doing the scientific method at the beginning of the year. What is your game plan? What, what do you do instead? How do you integrate like doing science? So, um, I recommend that you introduce the practices in kind of a lot of detail one at a time as they come up. So like when I introduce my first phenomenon, we do, you know, I, we do a notice and wonder and then we talk about, okay, so we just use a science and engineering practice of asking questions and let's take a look at our questions and see which one of them, which ones of them are, um, we can investigate which ones we can't. And, you know, we go through kind of like those pieces and then I add in, the next layer. So, you know, when we hit something else, then I introduce another science and engineering practice. Yes. And so it's not like, just to clarify, it's not like this practice for this unit or Mm -hmm. this practice is the only one I focus on for this standard, because we know with the NGSS, like this, there is a practice in each standard, but is that the only one that you're doing? In that? No. Okay. Good. <laughs> I mean, I didn't answer to that, but just to clarify for everybody else, um, yeah. right? So it's it's not like because I, I have heard ideas like, oh, I'm going to focus on this practice in this unit, and I mean, you might like focus on one like this, right. this unit might be heavy on modeling, maybe, or this mm-hmm. unit might be heavy on designing investigations, but you are bringing in other practices day to day. Yeah. Yeah, you should be using asking questions in every unit. And I like, I personally, that's my favorite practice. I think that that's something that you should like just normalize in your classroom, that that is something you use every day. Because I think that students associate asking questions with not understanding. And so, you know, like normalizing that this is a piece of of science, like you are, you are investigating by asking questions. That's great. And that is one of the things that I also hear from teachers all the time, when my students don't ask questions. Well, maybe we need to like devote time to not just teaching the practice, but giving them the opportunity to ask questions as much as you can. And that's an easy one where like you do an exploration and you give them a few minutes at the end and you just say, okay, what new questions do we have? Or like, here's a weird thing I saw on the news. Like, let's, let's ask some questions about it. I mean, it's stuff that you can really incorporate, like asking questions is really one that you can incorporate pretty easily. Um, and you can, you can, again, go into that matrix and kind of focus on the different aspects of it uh, at different times, but it's like not a hard one to, in, to really bring into your class. Yeah. In, well, in, and in also class. like making that shift, like I always say, oh, what do you wonder? Because then there's not that like negative connotation with questioning. Okay. So like, that's why we do a notice and wonder activity. So like, um, I think that that just shifts students thinking about why they're asking a question. 
yes and it's not like they don't know it's more just like mm-hmm. curious about it and then yeah it gets that curiosity going because yeah I, like I've said it before I mean people are literally born curious kids are born curious even adults can be curious but I swear we just get it like squished out of us in school we're told this is what we're learning this is what we're doing this is Mm -hmm. and need to kind of spark that curiosity again and that ability to like look at things and wonder about them right right yeah yeah so um that's pretty much what I do is I just you know like um I probably cover like I don't know three practices really well in the first unit and then just kind of keep adding in pieces and then we just you know like probably by the end of the first semester um, with my seventh grade class, we're just doing it, you know, like we're just integrating all of those pieces all of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so someone said, uh, t- I don't know if it's, t- I apologize, Terry or Terry. I'm, I'm really bad at reading things and knowing how to pronounce them. Um, but they said scientists still use the scientific method and not teaching is not teaching science. It makes no sense. So my thoughts on that are scientists do science in a lot of different ways. Astronomers calculate stuff. Um, physicists calculate stuff. Um, Wegener looked at maps and drew conclusions. Uh, ecologists go collect data. They don't run controlled experiments all the time. I mean, sometimes they do, but they, they a lot of times they just go run, you know, collect data. Um, scientists do science in a lot of ways, and none of them are typically following a linear step-by-step progression. And the scientific method presents the science, the way they're doing science as a step-by-step progression and linear step-by-step progression. It starts at A, ends at D or F or whatever steps there are, and then you're mm-hmm. done. Um, so when we present it that way to students, whether we mean it that way or not, that's the impression that they're getting. And that's the important thing to think about. You might understand the nuances of it's not linear. It doesn't have to go in order. It doesn't, um, there's different ways to carry out and to, to design your methodology but your students don't pick up all those nuances because they don't have all that background knowledge. So right. each a scientific method, we're just, we're just ingraining that misconception in like more where when mm-hmm. we shift our focus to like these practices, so I'm trying to like kind of summarize everything here <laughs> that we said here. And um, when we shift our, 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 our focus to teaching the practices and all of the different ways that science is done and all of the different orders it can be done in, then our students get a much more well-rounded picture of like the work scientists actually do. So that is why I don't teach a scientific method. That's why I don't think any of our teachers should be teaching the scientific method anymore. That's why the framework writers said, stop teaching the scientific method. Um, And I think, you know, if you ask any scientists, yes, they're carrying out investigations, but I would be very hard pressed to, like I do, and I guess I haven't asked every single scientist, but I don't think every single one is going to say, like, I follow these six steps in order every single time and come out with my answer at the end, and then I'm done. Right. Which is really well, what the scientific method kind of says, even if, even if it's not what you mean for it to say. And I would also just, like, really encourage people to look at um, if you really feel like that, to look at the framework and look at the research that was done and that was put into the framework because the NRC really did a lot of research on how students learn science, science best and um, like they pulled information from other countries and they really looked at, at countries where students were doing really well with science and what were they doing differently. Like it's, it's such a 
like beautiful document. <laughs> like if you go through the framework, um, it, it really explains it. And then also um, I have a blog post on why I don't do the scientific method anymore. And um, I happened to be in grad school when I was doing it. So I linked all the articles to it. And there's just like a ton of research that, that really goes into a little, way more detail than we're covering right now. Yeah. Into why, like that really, that why piece. So yeah, if you're like totally not sold on it, go, go yeah. do some, yeah, go check out some yeah. of those other resources out there for sure. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, thank you everybody for joining us and thank you, Aaron, for joining us. Um, definitely please check out our podcast. Season three is coming out um, August 17th, Teaching Science in 3D. You can always go back and listen to old episodes right now. Actually, I'll put in the comments. What's the website right now? Aaron. It's teachingsciencein3d.com. Um, you can also find us on Instagram. Um, we have, it's teaching science in, um, like teaching science underscore in 3D. And we also have a Facebook group that's just teaching science in 3D. And, um, and that will give you the updates like when new episodes come out and stuff. Perfect. Okay, I posted it in the link. Thank you all so much for joining us and we will catch you guys later. Have a good one. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com 3dplanner.